0: Thanks for listening to Marketing B2B Tech, the podcast from Napier, where you can find out what really works in B2B marketing today. Welcome to Marketing B2B Technology, the podcast from Napier. Today, I'm joined by Matt Young. Matt is the CEO of UserVoice. Welcome to the podcast,
1: Matt. Hey, Mike. Great to be here.
0: No, it's great to have you on. So tell me a little bit about your career first. You know, how did you get to become CEO of UserVoice?
1: Uh, it's a, a weird story and and not one that you would expect given my background. I was born a technologist. So my dad worked for IBM and we had an IBM PC in the 80s in the early days. And I was the kid that went and taught myself to program. So naturally through college and graduate school, I was a computer scientist and started out as a software developer. Uh, and... Was fortunate enough to start working in software development right when the web became a thing, when when web browsers were first coming out. So my entire professional career has been in the the delivery of software uh, for the web and delivered to the web. Uh, Over the years, you emerge from software developer to engineering management and engineering team leadership. And I had always assumed that I would be a vice president of engineering, getting people organized towards a particular goal as efficiently as possible. Um, And that was actually the thing that drew me to UserVoice. I came to UserVoice in 2015 because being in the position of of directing a large engineering team to do a lot of work, you want to be fed the best quality information and the, the most valuable projects to do. And i frankly didn't really believe that product teams i was working with were researching the work that they wanted to do well enough so you know being the recipient and being asked to build all that stuff it it didn't feel great user voice is a product as we'll get into that that really helped solve that problem but um over the years uh, i became the ceo uh and if this is an interesting story we can we can get into it but uh user voice ended up spinning off a second product that the original founder of the company uh, was working on. And I ended up taking over the original user voice product that was started in 2008. So uh, an unexpected position for me that I picked up about three years ago. I, I never really had grand designs on being a CEO. I, I don't really fit the egotistic San Francisco mold of a B2B SaaS uh, <laughs> CEO. But nonetheless, here we are, and it's it's been a, a really fun ride.
0: But I think it's great to see engineers, you know, be able to take on that role of CEO and be successful. So for me, that's a real positive.
1: Yeah, it has been. And I think it's a a fairly unique perspective. Like many engineers, I'm an introvert. I am uh, empathetic to quite a number of the different roles that we have in the organization. And I'm, I'm really keen on making sure that we are logically delivering great value to our customer base and providing a a great place to work for everyone who's on the team here
0: that sounds amazing so um I, you had a situation where effectively the company built a second product the ceo presumably loved that product so much he he was the one who wanted to go and uh, work in the spin-off is that is that how it worked or how did it happen
1: yeah so the, the original founder user voice was was born out of uh the need to get feedback about a product that he was working on he was building a calendaring app and it was really, really hard to get people's honest opinions about it. So he built user voice to solve that problem. Uh, fast forward about 10 years later, and and we feel like we need, you know, the internet's evolved, the way people interact with providing feedback and their expectations of companies evolved. And we, as a, as a company in user voice felt like we needed to become a multi-product company. So Rich, the founder of the company went off and started, he took a small portion of our team and, and in-house started operating like a second company he he didn't attend the all hands meetings they had their own um, they chose their own methodology for software development and product management um, and they, they went through several iterations of a product and the the product turned out to be one that is really good for product managers who who is our target buyer but uh even better for sales customer success and marketing the the market was much larger for that while this was happening and this happened over the course of about a year um, his mandate to me was like hey I, I I hold on to user voice too tightly I founded it I have certain feelings about what can and cannot be touched but you don't I'm not a founder of the company uh, and I think we we both recognized that things had stagnated a little bit the market had evolved the world had evolved and you know, I, I'm willing to take a hatchet to things that I don't think are valuable anymore and and take big swings and big risks at things I think are important to change to make the product overall more valuable. And that had been going really well. So uh, through this really nice serendipitous moment, this was at the end of 2019, uh, Rich decided to spin off uh, the other product, which is called Fathom.video. It's a uh, free Zoom integrated note-taking app for doing any kind of interviews, uh, market research, product research, sales calls, customer success calls. Uh, he's like, you're doing a great job making user voice better. Uh, so why don't you just take over the whole company and run with that? So I did and you know, naturally, less than six months later, a pandemic hit. So if you want a newly minted CEO trial by fire, uh, that's a good recipe for it.
0: I mean, that must be challenging. And other CEOs must have gone through that. I remember when I took over Napier, um, it happened about three weeks before the dot-com crash. So I can certainly sympathize. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a real challenge. So you've kind of, by accident inherited user voice um, and become CEO of user voice which, which uh, is a very fortuitous accident um, so y- you've, you've talked about it briefly but do you want to just you know really go into the details of exactly what problem user voice is solving you mentioned uh, Rich's problem with the calendar app
1: yep uh, and, and how that's evolved over time really um, you know woe be unto the company that doesn't pay attention to what their their customers and potential customers are saying but that's Easier said than done. You've got the problem of collecting all that information. You've got the problem of sharing all that information internally. You have the question of how reliable is that information? Um, customers don't always express their problems. They they tend to speak in solutions. Uh, you know, I, I want you to generate this report, or I wish I could do this or that. You've got uh, ideas coming in from your internal teams, you've got salespeople and marketing people saying, Hey, I really think the product could be better. uh, if we were doing X, Y, or Z. Once you've gathered all that feedback, you've got the problem of deciding which of it is the most valuable, what you should pay attention to, what action you should take from it. And that requires pulling in a bunch of different data sources like CRM information, uh, user behavior, et cetera. And then once you've acted on that feedback, How do you then radiate back out to all the teams that need it like the sales team the marketing team the customer success team all the why behind it how they should present the new functionality that's coming up what problem it's really solving so really user voice is a a software platform that's meant to just make it easy for you to follow the best practices of listening to customers assessing the value and importance of one piece of feedback versus another, and then helping your whole team kind of rally around uh, what you've learned through transparency and better communication.
0: And you've focused on SaaS as a
1: market, is that right? We have, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it um, it works best for SaaS because you've got uh, a lot of individual customers and a clear communication channel available to you. It works best in B2B, it works really well in B2C, but it's a it's a slightly different problem. B2C is more of a popularity contest, where B2B is more of a, a segmentation of your accounts problem um, and make sure that you're looking at the things that are most desired by the market that you serve. We have had customers doing things like consumer packaged goods or internal IT infrastructure. Um, that stuff can work. I think it just takes a little bit more discipline on the part of the user of the software to be able to do that effectively. But we tend to orient all our software primarily around B2B SaaS and secondarily B2C SaaS. And you don't see that expanding
0: into more general product feedback in the future? Uh,
1: Maybe. Uh, I I will (laughs) never say never, but we're a pretty small company. So you know to, to try to dilute, Uh, the use cases that we're trying to solve for would just probably make an inferior product. So even though I think that's something that we could solve, it's probably not something we're going to tackle in the next year or so. That makes sense, for sure. So you you
0: mentioned, you know, quite a lot of sources of data that you're pulling together. So how do companies use user voice to gather all this data from different places, whether it's, you know, user behavior or CRM or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. and, and pull it together to make conclusions? I mean, is there a sort of process they follow?
1: Yeah, so we we try to be present wherever that information might show up, uh, especially the qualitative information. So if a marketer is doing market research or a a really good, easy to understand example is a salesperson doing a demo and they're getting feedback in real time from the person watching the demo and they're taking notes uh, in Salesforce itself. If that is product features and functionality that is missing and, and potentially causing the deal to be lost the product team needs to know that to be able to, to do that. So user voice integrates with Salesforce and a bunch of other CRMs and, and you know, support tools like Zendesk. Uh, we have APIs, we have the ability to integrate with email and any other kind of communication that you do, or even if you're using uh, Zoom recording tools and capturing notes that way, just to make sure all of that stuff can filter into a singular repository that gets it all and makes it really, really easy for a salesperson to capture that stuff and, and be able to watch it um that wasn't the way that user voice started and in fact the way user voice started was to get the feedback straight from the the people using the product mm-hmm. uh, they could go to a web portal and you know vote on ideas or offer their own ideas they could pop up a, a javascript widget within the application we still support all of those mechanisms we have apis for collecting feedback directly from users but um i think a lot of a lot of product teams are a little bit nervous to open up the fire hose of feedback coming directly from users. If you if you think about it, it's a pretty brave thing to say, hey, tell us anything about what's not working for the product. There's going to be a stream of, of pretty negative information coming your way. They're not going to sing your praises. They're going to tell you all the ways they want you to be better. Uh, so most people get started by. Um, collecting all that feedback through their their trusted team, the people who are on the front lines, talking to customers, and when they realize, like, hey, this is really, really valuable information, it's helping me get visibility into what's actually in the heads of our users, I would value having that straight from customers. And then that creates the opportunity to have a much more open dialogue, it creates the ability um, to say, hey, that, you know, the product team is thinking about a feature, but the marketing team wants to know about how to talk about that feature. So we already know who's interested in it. We already know who'd be game to have an interview, who to connect with. Uh, so in terms of gathering all the feedback, we just try to be wherever that feedback might show up uh, and make sure that it's very easy to capture at any particular time. And is there, there
0: kind of a, a processing step where you're trying to take you know this, this big pile of feedback information and make sense of it?
1: <laughs> there, There is because, <laughs> uh there's a lot of it even for small companies we handle companies all the way from you know 20 or 30 people companies all the way to like the adobes and and you know very large companies of the world where the volume of feedback they're getting is is massive so i think it all starts with making sure that we always know who provided the feedback um if you think about a b2b business uh, if an individual provides feedback that individual needs to be associated with the account that they belong to? What business do they represent? Uh, You probably want to know what that account is worth, how long they've been a customer, what plan they're on, what kind of segments they're in, Uh, all so that you can relate that data to what your overarching goals as a company are. If you're trying to sell into a new market, you're trying to increase revenue, you're trying to drive up uh, your ACV or increase retention, all those goals mean that you're going to want to look at that data a little bit differently. So uh, it all starts with who provided that data. And, and once we have that, we can pull in all kinds of information from CRM and financial systems to decorate it and make sure that you can query it the right ways. I think that's kind of a a, a nice power user feature. Uh, a lot of us, most of us are not necessarily a business analyst. So you don't necessarily know what the right question to ask is um, so on top of that we also try to throw on some uh automatic parsing of the information to point you to what's really the most important um we do that on very tactical levels for example like uh duplicate feedback becomes an issue for a lot of people but we use ai systems to to try to suggest to you how to deduplicate that automatically all the way up to really high level roll-up reports that let you say Uh, okay, I want to break into the Asia-Pacific market and, all right, tell me what the top ideas are that people are requesting from APAC and rank them by how much revenue those companies are making us. And and most of the time, I think we advise people like lean into your fans. They're the ones that kind of represent the people who are going to uh, expand that customer base the most easily. So we can just deliver a report that is constantly updated. There's literally no work you have to do. It's just always there in real time updated for you.
0: That's interesting. It sounds like you're not effectively ranking how many times people ask, but you're actually looking a lot deeper and you're looking at, you know, what the most important uh, customers want or, you know, what your next territory wants. Is, is that really what you're trying to do to, to get another level of insight?
1: It, it really depends on what a company's goals are. Um, it's, it's not always wrong to say how many people voted for it being a driver. If you're going for the popularity contest, if you, you might be going through an effort like where you want to increase CSAT and, and one way to increase customer satisfaction is to look at what most people want. Uh, And that's a good way to do it. But if you're, if you're looking more at strategic business growth, you might be looking at uh, things more from a a business metrics perspective instead.
0: So, I I mean, this is interesting. Can you give us, you know, maybe some specific examples about how people have used the product to improve their SaaS products?
1: Let me give you two examples. Uh, The first is not going to be a SaaS example because I think it's it's easy to understand and relatable. Um, User voice is used by a lot of gaming companies, uh, like Electronic Arts, and in that case, it is a popularity contest. They are, you know, if they're producing a game that sports game that gets iterated every year, they want to make sure that the next year's version reflects the desire of the biggest uh, player base so that they have the highest likelihood of selling next year's version to those people. So um, that just happens all the time, every day. Um, A really good success case for us is a company called Procore. Procore is a, it's a unicorn SaaS company that feeds construction managers. So if a suburb is being developed with a hundred houses or something like that, uh, Procore delivers software that makes sure that all the materials are arriving on the right time, that every, all the constructions on schedule, et cetera. But the, the users of that software are men and women who are wearing hard hats and construction boots and using an iPad, uh, to access this software. And that's really different from most of us, what most of us think about is assess user who's sitting in front of a computer with you know a nice polo shirt or something like that and they're they're happy to use software if you use something like user voice you can understand really like how to really serve the needs of a very specific audience like that like how to make it simple enough to use to understand so that they can really get to the bottom of a very specific use case which is building houses Uh, so Procore as a company needs to really understand the, uh, the business that their customers are in. But this gives them a really iterative feedback mechanism for them to find out where they're hitting the mark and where they're off. Um, so it's those are kind of two extreme areas. Most people are just working on using the feedback to figure out like, What's the next sprint going to look like? What's our next quarter or six-month planning going to look like? Um, and really trying to equate that with with what the goals of the business are. Uh,
0: that makes a lot of sense. So one of the things I'm interested in is can marketing make use of, of user feedback? And I'm thinking particularly, you know, do you get feedback about features that customers particularly like? Can you then use that in marketing? How, how do marketing people
1: use the data? Yeah, uh, I think that... Um we always share the feedback that we we use user voice ourselves, of course, and, and we always share the the raw feedback that we got from our users with marketing, because as they're crafting messaging to dis, to describe what we actually did, what its value is, what you use it for, it always lands better if you're using the words and the phrases that came to you in the first place. This is the way that the user of the software is actually thinking about the problem and thinking about the solution, it's just going to make it very easy for you to communicate it uh, effectively to people. Uh When it comes to allowing marketing to lean into the most loved areas of the product, um, we determine through behavioral analytics, which is something that user voice doesn't do, uh, where people are spending the most time and all of those things. But whenever we're, we're researching a new product, we take the opportunity as we're interviewing customers from a product perspective, to learn about how it fits into the big picture of their workflow. Why do they want this improvement? How does it relate to the other tasks that they're doing day over day? We capture all that feedback, again, back into user voice. So you might think that user voice just captures the initial idea It does do that, but then we continually add to that as we learn more about it, as we conduct interviews, all of that information goes into user voice. So if you look at the maturation of an idea in user voice from when it first showed up to us actually deploying a solution for it, you can see all the discussion and that's just a gold mine, not only for marketing, but for sales how should we demo the software? What kind of collateral should we put together as a leave behind? Or, uh, you know, what videos should we create? And how should we narrate those videos? Um, in the end, I'm a firm believer that all the research that any company does, whether it's product research, market research, sales research, should be shared cross-departmentally because there's value in it for, for everybody. It's not always easy to do, and some company organizations get protective of their their fiefdoms a little bit, but if you can share that stuff, you, you'll at minimum prevent duplicate work and at best just create something that's just a, a knock it out of the park answer to the problem uh, from the, the get-go.
0: I love the idea of sharing and, and it's particularly interesting, you know, when you started talking about the the benefits to departments like marketing, it's not about the features, it's about how you talk and understanding mm-hmm. the way the customers think. I, I think that's a really interesting benefit from from getting that user feedback.
1: Yeah, I also think that it helps the whole organization understand uh, how product teams make decisions about what they build. There's a lot of recency bias in market research and in, in what salespeople hear. You might think that just because you've heard something twice recently that it is the best thing to do. But if someone could actually come to you and say, hey, thanks, I got that feedback. We read it. I can definitely acknowledge that I heard what you told us, but here's the analysis that we did and we compared it against everything else that we've heard from you, from sales, from the research that we've done. And we can show you that, hey, you know, our biggest opportunity really looks like it's here. And then suddenly the marketing team who's tasked with putting forth information about new features and retaining people isn't starting from this position of like I, I don't know why they did this. You know, I told them that this was the most important thing to do, and that all came from a, a good position, a good healthy position. But it just wasn't objectively the right thing to do at the right time. And I think that takes away a lot of these like anxieties about not necessarily believing in what the R and D team at, at an organization is building.
0: That's great. I, I love that way of getting everyone you know buying into to the same goal effectively i mean that, that's a really cool benefit
1: yeah we uh we also user voice intentionally we don't charge based on seats um it, it would be an easy way for us to make more money mm-hmm. but like if uh if i made you pay for everyone on your support team to be able to send feedback into the system that would kind of discourage you from doing that and we think like the more data the better we also don't limit the number of people who can log in and use that data for their own purposes. So I think it would just be at odds to try to like limit access to that information for people. So it's really common for our marketing team to look in our own user voice instance not to figure out what we should build, but to start looking for phrases and language about mm-hmm. how we should talk about things.
0: That's cool. I mean, you mentioned pricing there, and and you you said that you do with you know everything from a small twenty person SaaS company to you know some of these giants. I mean, how does the pricing work then for that? That's such a range of customers.
1: Yeah, the, the growth levers are really built based off of um, the coverage of your user base. How many how many unique users you actually have giving you feedback? Because uh, we did a lot of research through a third party company to get this objective feeling about where where you feel value, and it's it's in the diversity of of perspective that you're getting. If you're doing one on one interviews right now, that's great, but it's hard to scale up to a lot of them. Uh, and you might worry that, like, yeah, great, you know, I've got this person's perspective, but they're the people I always talk to. Uh, where if you've got 200 or 500 or a thousand different points of view on it, you can feel much more confident in the actionability of what's going on. So uh, we have three different tiers, and those tiers just have limits in the the number of people giving you feedback. In the early stages of a company, you might not have a huge user base, so it costs less when you're uh, a very large company, and we're processing a lot of data for you, then we're saving you a lot of time by being able to uh, deliver insights from all that stuff for you. So hopefully it it scales well with the the perceived value of a product.
0: I love that. It's just like a a really simple approach to pricing there. You know, how many users are you doing? Let's put you in tiers. That's great. I I mean, is it as easy to deploy? Because it sounds like you're pulling data from lots of different systems. Is that does that become quite a complex project?
1: It's not. We've spent a, a pretty significant of, amount of time making sure that all of those integrations are quite simple, um, selfishly from a, a business perspective for us. If, if we can't do that and we tell you you're going to have have to pay us a bunch of money and then you're going to have this project, no one wants that. The goal of SaaS is to like have an out-of-box solution for people. So um, historically, integrating software with Salesforce has always been a big pain in the neck. And for us, it uh anyone can do it and it takes about three minutes to get done Uh, so we we try to make that very very simple uh I think the biggest effort is is likely in the organizational change of making sure that people think to capture feedback when it comes in uh and one thing that's that we view is our job is really important to help our customers with is to make sure that everyone in their organization like a, a marketing individual understands the value of doing this you might not see it right now but in two months, here you've got a bunch of really useful information to help you with your job as well. That's that's amazing.
0: I, I you know, one one thing I'm, I'm intrigued about. You obviously work with a lot of leading SaaS companies. Do you, do you see any trends in SaaS? I mean, what we're going to see in SaaS products in the next couple of years is going <laughs> to wow
1: us and make us excited. Oh my god! I see a lot of trends in SaaS. I think the um, as a as a CEO of a company. I could say the diplomatic thing and say that i think that competition makes all of our products better but if i were honest i would say oh god that makes your job so much harder to begin with but the nice thing about competition is that it really drives the quality of solutions forward eventually even if you there there's i think we all know the expression product market fit is the product appropriate for the market that you're you're getting into there's another phrase called purchase market fit Where are you able to sell the product to people? Is your marketing really good? Is your sales really good? But then your retention might not be good if product market fit is not there right behind it. So I think some of the trends I'm seeing in SaaS is that the people who have these amazing marketing engines, but they don't have the technology chops underneath or the smarts to really solve the problems, those companies are going to fall by the wayside. And it's not enough to be flashy. It's not enough to be the cheapest. It's not enough to be the newest darling. Um, so uh, because of that, I think that the biggest thing that most SaaS companies need to fend against is the very easy portability of moving from vendor to vendor in the same space. It's Vendor lock-in is not as much a, a thing as it, as it used to be. So. We all, as as SaaS business operators, need to make sure that the product is really good, that our support is really good, that our ability to coach and provide best practices. And I think that that's an area where I, I see marketing being a very huge help, less about selling the product, more about driving continual value in the product. And that's where I think a product like user voice is really important. You may achieve product market fit, but how are you gonna hang on to it as products become easier and quicker to develop easier and quicker to market, it means you just need to, to keep up and keep two or three steps ahead of of where the market is going. So I don't see operating SaaS businesses as getting any easier anytime soon. I think it's going to get more challenging. I see, uh, you know, I'm I'm a consumer of SaaS software myself, and I don't have the time to look at all the options that are out there. I don't want to talk to people about it. Uh, I really want a product-led experience where I can do a free trial on my own, decide if it's the right fit for me. I want transparency and pricing to be able to understand what this would cost and make all that evaluation when there's so many options out there. Um, the It doesn't need to be completely self-service. Um, there can be sales involved, but you need to be able to get to a point where you understand whether it's worth investing your time really, really quickly. So I think... I don't think I gave you one problem. I think I gave you the legion of SaaS problems <laughs> just now, but uh, it's none of it's getting any simpler. It's getting uh, there to, to give you a positive. It is easier than ever to develop software, uh, which is good because it will lower R&D costs over time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds good to, to users like me. Um, you know, SaaS mm-hmm. products are just oh, yeah. going to get better. Um, Maybe not so good if you're the engineer who's got to develop all the new features. but Yeah, Yeah.
1: or the the person needs to place the right bets at the right time. But then again, that's why I think that that research is so important. If you discover before you've lifted uh, a design or an engineering feature that something will not have the market impact that you thought it would, cool, you may be throwing out some work that you did, but you didn't go way down this path, only to discover that it fails much later. That's awesome.
0: I I, I mean, quite a positive view there for SaaS. I mean, I'm interested. What are your ambitions uh, yourself? I mean, where do you see UserVoice going now that that you're uh, your CEO and it's all down to
1: you? Yeah, um, this may sound a little unusual. I think most CEOs will tell you that they expect to be a billion dollar company and, you know, from their private island start seven more companies (laughs) and and keep going and going. Um, UserVoice doesn't want to do that. We want to be the best at what we do. And oftentimes we get asked to do things that are kind of horizontally associated with what UserVoice does. Uh, why haven't we built a general purpose survey tool for marketing or for sales? Because we're in the feedback business. Or why don't we also have uh, behavioral analytics or design review tools like product managers often use? So UserVoice is gonna to continue to be the best at making sure that we can understand product problems and product needs from people uh, and give people the ability to, to understand that versus their business goals to do that effectively. I think, uh, it's either going to come down to partnerships or acquisition for us. Like we need to hold hands with other best of breed solutions that are needed to operate a successful B2B SaaS company. And we are one of several tools that you would use to communicate with your customer base. Uh, Obviously, you'd use a CRM tool, your marketing team's going to have their own tools through HubSpot, et cetera, making sure that all of those can provide value across the whole organization is really important to us. And I think for us, that's going to mean partnerships from a business perspective and then uh, ongoing automation. The the volume of data that we deal with is going to not decrease as long as we do our job well. Uh, One thing I haven't mentioned yet is keeping customers engaged. I think all of us know how hard it is to get people's attention amidst the slew of survey requests meeting requests Mm -hmm. that we're all getting every day Uh, so how do i make it as easy as possible for a customer or an internal team member to share their thoughts and bring it in and um, we're trying to think of ever simpler ways to make that more natural through technology so that as you're thinking of it boom it's there and it's very very low effort
0: that's awesome and i love the the focus we're going to do what we do and we're going to partner and and that's how we'll be successful
1: yeah uh, i don't want to, it's
0: really refreshing to hear that
1: i don't want to produce a a watered down version of something that someone else just really really does well like what why bother yeah uh, that's awesome so I, I really appreciate your time on
0: the the podcast matt i mean if people have got questions um, want to know more about user voice or just want to talk to you about what you've said in the podcast what's the best way to contact you
1: Sure. Uh, I always say that it would be very hypocritical for me to not want feedback about <laughs> what we have to say. It's it's our core line of business. So uh, my email door is always open. It's Matt at uservoice.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. Matt Young, Matt Young user voice is the best search term because my name is so common. Um, but uh, uservoice.com is where you can learn more about our products. You can do free trials of any of our product and just learn a little bit more about it, even if you're not interested in buying it. I, I love um to have people take a look at it and, and especially if you're willing to share with us like what resonated with you and where you thought like, yeah not for me. it's just basically like free customer interview for me and uh, it's a great thing. but if we can help on on any other front, like you just something that we said was interesting and you'd like to chat, happy to do that too. Well,
0: that's awesome. I really appreciate your time, Matt. thanks so much for being on the podcast. That
1: yeah, was a lot of fun, Mike. thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Marketing B2B Tech. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and if you did, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast application. If you'd like to know more, please visit our website at napierb2b.com or contact me directly on LinkedIn.